Welcome to Cinema Bushido. I am your host, Matthew Whitaker, the uh, illegitimate son of Mr. Forrest Whitaker. Uh, I miss you, Dad. I wish you'd um, listen to my podcast and call me sometime. <laughs> With me, as always, is my dear, dear friend, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day's a holiday. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. If I could just get that call back from my dad. I actually <laughs> thought about using some of my tax money yeah. to see if Force Whitaker would do a voiceover for us. For oh, you. my lord. Just to be like, hello, Matthew. I miss you, or something like that. You know, just something real brief. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it wouldn't cost more than a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I saw him pop up in a trailer. Oh, obviously, he's going to be in Rogue One. But then he popped up in this uh, this new one called, I think it's called Visitors or the Arrival. Yeah. Arrival. And he's completely mm-hmm. shaven, and he looks like classic Force Whitaker. Yeah, I, I like... My fanboy, you know, my heart jumped a little. I was like, ooh, Forrest. <laughs> yeah, I was going to propose to you that that be the first movie that we do, like that, that's still in theaters, that we review together. Well, we've talked about this in the past, and there may just, I, I don't know how well it fits in our theme of the uh, Way of the Warrior, um, and we might be able to force it in with a crowbar, but just doing, uh, you know, a collection of everything that Forrest Whitaker's been in. He kicks a lot of ass in a lot of movies, and uh, and we've already done Bloodsport, so... You know, I mean, he did Ghost Dog. He did. I mean, what else do you What else do you want? I, mean, I know. You, you what know. else do you want? I mean, we can we can go see this movie about aliens and still be like Ghost Dog. Yeah, you know? it's true. I mean, and I I like Forrest Whitaker. Who doesn't like Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker has a gift. God bless him for getting it out into the public. I you know I shame on anyone who doesn't agree with that. I have never. Um, felt more um, watching somebody act than watching Forrest Whitaker act. Maybe, maybe uh, it, I won't go th- like that's really kind of saying a lot, you know. But there's like Denzel, which kind of does that to me too. You feel there's such good actors that you you're like you, you're in with them. It's like yes, exactly. I can see how pissed you are now. Go murder everyone, and you know I live through them. Are you saying that you have jungle fever? Jungle fever. <laughs> I do just for, just for the bl- black male <laughs> black male actors. <laughs> so now that we have Best that on the table, podcast ever already. <laughs> now that we have that on the table, I wanted to uh, mention that I am pairing my uh, this podcast uh, with another bottle of sake. I have the, more of that G sake. Uh, I, I went crazy the last two days, and I've consumed approximately oh I don't know. I'm gonna throw out three gallons of sake <laughs> while that I've been watching hot. samurai movies. That's um, hot, dude. I'm so jealous. I like, even, what am I doing with my life that I'm not drinking three gallons of sake and watching samurai movies? I, I don't even, know. I even had those palpitations in the night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where I thought my heart was gonna stop working. So That's hot. Yeah. So I'm what, so jealous, dude. What are you having? Well I, I came back from a champagne brunch and I I'm on like, you know, I giggle every time I open one up, but I like I haven't drank malt liquor since like 1987, since I was underage, and I uh, so I'm on that malt liquor tour because of the malt liquor roundtable. So today I'm I'm drinking a uh, side pocket high gravity ale, which was the cheapest one I could find, and I could tell you as somebody who drinks most of his liquor straight, um, this is the nastiest shit I've ever had. I mean, it's just gross. It's just so it just makes me shudder. I'm already like down to the last tenth of the bottle and it just I'm just shuddering like a boss. It's so terrible, but effective. Yeah. You know? 
Well, you'd be proud of me. I've uh, I've decided to um, mix more whiskey into my life because oh, uh, yeah. there's just simply too many calories for the sheer amount of uh, beer I drink. Beer, so yeah. I, I just need yeah, to- you got to drink like ten or twelve beers to get drunk, and it's like <laughs> right. you know that's like that's like a couple of pounds of fat. You know, yeah. it's just. It just makes more sense to do whiskey, and if you're a pussy about it, just drink it with the water back. Well, and I'm yeah. thinking, you know, you just can't be. They they almost yeah. all taste good. I had some of that bullet rye the other day. It was yeah. freaking fantastic, and I thought, why yeah, don't dude, I just drink that every time? And you know what the thing is, is if you drink it, and you drink it, like, you just take a couple of, of, of sips off it straight, and all of a sudden, you can't you can't taste it anymore. It's just, it's smooth. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just all the alcohol parts of it hide themselves really well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was at a bar uh, here in Portland, and uh, the bartenderess, her name was Amira, she walked me through, like, all of the popular ones, so she just gave me kind of small tastes of about eight different ones, including a funny one that I'm sure you've heard of, but it was called, like, Old Grandpa or Old Granddaddy or something like that. Yeah. It was, like, 100 proof. I, I'm not going to settle for that one. No, small and small batch bourbons are actually quite affordable these days, you know? Okay. Uh, well, the I modern love... the modern marvel of uh, capitalism at work there. I love it. Well, to this is this podcast is really just um, a love fest because we decided, um, as we always do, that we are going to do another Zadoichi movie. Our first podcast ever was um, Zadoichi. We did Zadoichi versus Blind Fury to talk about. You know, it was a remake, a technical remake, even though it was very bad. But um, it it meant a lot to watch. Zadoichi with somebody it always does and you know you and I we love this character so um you chose this one and we chose Zadoichi's Revenge which is number 10 in the series of 26 what did you think oh man I had to wear my boner pants for this one dude it was (laughs) I mean it was you you know if you're not watching Zadoichi I mean it's on Hulu right now what's the name of that app it's going to be on permanently oh yeah that was cool I sent that over to you um uh, it's, there's a new app, yeah, it's got all, like, TCM movies, and it's going to have uh, the entire Criterion collection for a monthly fee. Yeah, you, you'll be able to dump multiple services just to sit there and watch these Criterion collection movies. Yeah, I mean, the, this movie was absolutely brilliant. Um, there's a, you know, I, I, thought, I thought after, because you said, you know, in the very beginning it was 26 movies, and after after watching the second one, I was like, this is this is the Japanese Bond. So... I mean, they have a formula. It's the same formula, but it never gets old. You and, know? And, and, and these tropes have been stolen over and over again. Like, all the, way, all the way to the end of every Zedoichi, of course, he's a wanderer. So he wanders yeah. off to another town. So, you know, that was like Incredible Hulk and all of these things. Uh, Kung Fu tried to do the same thing. Just this idea that uh, the, there's the, the wandering badass. And, uh, well, this was one of the first... Yeah, and it's it's never disappointing. Okay, so this opens beautifully. Um, oh, he, yeah. He's getting pulled on the back of that like trailer, right? And he's eating his rice ball, and he says something about you know like his mouth is full. It looks disgusting, right? <laughs> this is Zadoichi, our hero. He's eating his rice ball, and he's like, "Oh fuck!" Like the sun in my face. This is like, could it get any better than that? And this is just it says something for the comedy of Zadoichi. That, of course, then his second rice ball starts to fall and he barely is able to grab even a small piece of it before he's just like, I should have eaten it faster. Sort of like all that joy and sunshine and that little bit of tragedy and, and here we are off into the plot. Uh, comfort breeds uh, 
complacency. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. But um, I thought that was cool. Um, the plot of Zadowicz's Revenge is that he, uh, I guess he lived there once, and um, his master that taught him um, how to be a masseuse, his name was uh, Hiko Noichi, um, he, he's murdered, and his daughter is getting uh, um, forced into um, prostitution. It has all sorts of these levels, the classic levels of what pisses off Zadowichi. <laughs> oh, they do a good job of making you hate those, uh, the antagonists within about five minutes of seeing them. I mean, you're ready for them all to die within 30 minutes of the movie. Absolutely. It was a brilliant, brilliant take on it. I have a, 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 just a note here, um, and I can't remember if this was right when he gets to town, um, but he said, I don't know who sent you, but you have one life, and you should have guarded it more carefully. <laughs> oh, what, what happens is, is that he's, uh, he's at that, he, he, there's a fire there, and they set it up, and they're hiding, and they're like, oh, they're talking about the lore of Zatoichi, so Zatoichi's already well known as a, as a violent, <laughs> rowdy guy, but there's two samurai there that are actually decent samurai and they're like hey you know they got paid a lot of money up front to kill him and uh they're like we're just gonna come right up on him and uh man he just it's it's beautiful the way he dispatches them so swiftly but it's like it's it seems natural like it looks realistic it doesn't look like oh you know i'm you know arnold schwarzenegger and everybody's gotta die it's like oh you know it looks there's a little bit of tension there for a brief second as he's attacked but then you can, your eye catches up with the choreography and you're like wow yeah zaduichi's a, a violent violent man Good shintaro katsu is really good um at doing this choreography right with the cane sword the um alternate style of holding it downward but he's a fast motherfucker for somebody who doesn't look like they're in that yeah. kind of shape <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, he's very, I mean, the choreo, that was my number one thing, was I was just like, as I was watching this, I was like, I watched it, I watched it like three times, and then I watched it like once without the sound, you know, and just to watch the choreography, and I was like, man, these, these guys knew, this is, this is stuff that we need to be infused back into movies. Yeah. It's good choreography. I agree completely. Um, one thing I wanted to note, is, uh, uh, certain people... Well, for example, um, Beat Takeshi, Takeshi Kitano, he remade um, Zadoichi in, like, 2008. And the one thing he said he wanted to do, the whole reason he was doing it differently, is he didn't like that Zadoichi had a level of comedy. So we have, like, the beginning and the following of the food. Um, we go to the full comic mode where um, he's eating the... Uh, Oh, I forget what those dumplings are called. And he's using too much hot mustard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking dumb. But it's such a good movie. Anyway, I mean, it's just stupid. And, you know, he starts crying and all of that. Um, and there's something to his mannerisms that I love. And yeah. I was going to say I call it the Columbo because I knew Columbo before I knew Zatoichi. Columbo always played like a fucking dumbass, right? He was always like, oh... Oh, that makes sense. Okay, well, let me ask you something else. And he just, like, he's just such a dumb fuck. And everyone always thought they had one up on him. And that is completely ripped off from Zadoichi. Yeah. I mean, he's he's so accessible and affable. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So there's just, a great you scene. You can't help but like him. There's a great scene with the, with the bad samurai. And he comes in and gives him the sake. And he says, ah, sake is great no matter who you're drinking it with. And the guy's like, well, we have a score to settle. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I already got my... <laughs> my 100 row yesterday i'm all cool and then he finally says like stop fucking around like stop being goofy and you can see the real zadoichi and he gets very hard and very cold and yeah 
it's a it's a game and he plays it very well of being the dumb shit until it comes time to murder everybody you express it so it's like he moves his pawns around and then all of a sudden his queen and his bishop and his knight are just date raping you <laughs> all at once i mean he's just he's just he's just out the, i mean you're exactly right and he pulls out the little uh the little bell from the mm. medicine thing that was in the evidence from the crime scene and he just like clasps it and you know right then and there that Zadoichi has has many different facets to his personality but there's a part of him there's there's no way that you can kill as many people as he has by the time we get to to Zadoichi 10 and not be hard as prison bars you know what i mean yeah can you even estimate how many we're we're gonna have um we're we're starting a YouTube uh, web series where we talk about um, the kill count of Zadoichi films. But do you can you guess on this one? Uh, we're gonna have to go back and do some heavy duty counting. But it was a large body count, right? I would say at least forty or fifty people. I would say he kills about forty between the two movies I've seen so far. If I were to estimate between one through ten, he's probably killed four or five hundred people. These towns are not that highly populated. I'm no. like, I think you've killed everybody but the guy who like gives you sake. He's he's killed everybody who was worth killing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like and he freed all the prostitutes. I'm sorry, comfort women. Um, he frees the comfort women, murders everybody in town, and here we go. I, you know, I can't. You were right. You're exactly right. I, I you know, I realized it as soon as you said it. His face does change when he pulls out that medicine ball, and he's like, "All right, all right, you know what? It reminds me of it. Reminds me of Tombstone when there's uh, Johnny Ringo and uh, Doc Holliday." And he's all like, all right, Lunger. And they, and they go to meet up by the old oak tree. And everyone's all scared for Doc Holliday because he's got TB and he's dying. And uh, and he kills Johnny Ringo. Yeah, uh, that's and fantastic. It, and yeah, that's a perfect illusion. Because I mean, it's that. It's like I'm. he's always putting on this pretense of this freaking idiot until it's time. And I do think he's a, a joyous person. I feel like, yeah. you know, that's why he's always eating and drinking and, you know, having a good time. <laughs> He's given the he's given the the corrupt official a massage, and he's like, "Hey, boss, where is my tea ready yet?" And he's gonna kill both these guys. You know? <laughs> yep, he's ready. He's just like, "Yeah, he's being very chill." And that was funny. That was a really funny scene. Um, you know, kind of hid behind the guy, and they're like, "Look nearby, look nearby." If, if you guys are football fans, um, the nine in the nineteen, I think it was eighty Super Bowl. There's a there's a quarterback named Joe Montana for the Forty ers and there's they're they're down. They're they're playing against the Bengals, and they're down seven points. And there's less than two. I think there's like two minutes or less in the game, and everyone's on edge. Everyone's tense because if they don't make this, if they don't get a touchdown on this drive, they're done. And uh, they call Joe Montana Joe Cool. And one of the reasons why is because uh, when they when they go into the huddle, he's like, "Hey, did you guys see that? John Candy's in the stage." I mean, like. <laughs> Or in the stands. No one was thinking about anything but, oh my god, how scary this was. And he's like, did you guys see John Candy out there? He's like, there's like, <laughs> for some people, there's just some sort of ethereal ability to just go into the ether and not care about everything else that we can see here on our plane. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really funny. Um, let me ask you something. What did you think about the use of music, and in this case, um, the girl singing the monkey song and all of that, you know, obviously a recurring thing with the monkey song and um, that throwback to when he was young and had sung the same song and the potential that he had even taught um, Hikonoichi's daughter that song. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think we all hand those things down, right? Um, there, there are songs that we all sing as kids that we all hand down to other people, and it, especially if you're all coming from the same village, you know, I mean, you're going to be that much more restricted. You're not living in a village of a hundred thousand. So I, I think it was it was nice because it kind of showed that uh, it, it was something that we could all, as viewers, relate to as children. Okay. How about you? I, I, I'm, I was wondering, because I wasn't sure if it was good, if it takes you out of the movie. I liked it, and I thought it was kind of sickly sweet, and I just know that that's my temperament around these things. I was just like, aw, Chihib singing it and, you know, thinks he has a good voice and all that stuff. Um, but yeah. Well, it loops it loops them all together, right? So he sang it to her. She, she sang it to his daughter, or the the fox's daughter, to Suru or whatever her name is. So it like, and then he knows it, and so it links them all in a circle. Okay, then um, my the the goofiest scene potentially in this whole movie um, is when um, the dad of the little girl. Oh God, when he gets the sword. Yeah, and he starts uh, imitating being blind, and he somehow has like the power to start killing people. I thought that was freaking hilarious, but just what you know? Yeah, that scene. I, I thought it should have been cut. Down to when he throws the money and then kills them after yeah. they go to grab it. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Like he's tra- so he, for the viewer who hasn't seen it yet, he's trapped, and he like he starts looking like he's like a cross between being possessed by Satan and retarded, and he holds the sword all wrong, and he starts just flailing it, and it's all perfect, perfect landings on the on the uh, torsos of of trained samurai, and then he and then uh, and then uh, there's a. There's another scene where he throws like three gold coins at that these samurai are four gold coins and they're big they're fairly large coins they're more than an ounce and he, he throws those out there that's a lot of money so they go running for it and he just like straight stabs those guys like like he just like straight kills them he's like oh here's your money oh fuck you you're dead <laughs> yeah. that was hilarious that would have made him Dencoro the fox but the other scene did him a disservice they should have cut that you're right they were trying too hard for comedy. Okay, so that leads, um, I wanted to talk to you about one other really weird scene and we can, that we can talk about whatever else, but um, the ending, it's of course the classic we talked about at the trope of him walking away to some other village. He didn't want his sweet goodbyes and all these people fawning over him for saving everybody, but they do that slow motion yelling, um, Master Ichi, right? It was sort of surreal, it was sort of like, uh, it, was, it was sort of David Lynchian, but <laughs> do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I've only seen two of these Adoichis, and it, it seems like they make a big deal out of him, like, going right. going away, right? <laughs> like the Hulk, like you said, like the Hulk would do later on, where he's just on the road, Bruce Banner's on the yeah. road, hitchhiking. You got it. Like, here's a guy who has impacted so many lives in such a positive way, and yet he's, he's when he leaves, it's... It's so humble. Yeah. It's as humble as his smile. Absolutely. Right? And his lifestyle. It, it caught me as funny because of the slow motion versions of it. And that they Master Keep <laughs> focusing like right on their faces and their teeth and stuff. Master Ichi! I was like... <laughs> Look at this girl flosses. Master Ichi! Yeah, I know. I was like, I wouldn't want to go back either. I was just like, yeah, done. Yeah. There's going to be another town with some other... I mean, this town doesn't even have any whores left. They're all free. Yeah. What are you talking he has yeah. nothing... Uh, they had sake. Oh, what did you think of the idea that uh, the cold sake and the stupid cup stuff? You mean the big cup? 
as yeah. opposed to the bull. Exactly. I felt that was beautiful and very masculine. You know, uh, they used to drink beer, old-style beer, out of bowls. There's this beer called um, um, Golden Touch. So they think in Turkey they found the uh, the tomb of the actual King Midas, and they find these massive bowls. And they're like, what are these bowls for? And so they test it, and the chemical composition comes back for beer. So then some chemists break down the chem- the, uh, the beer recipe and sell it to a brewery called Dogfish Ale, or Dogfish Brewery, in Rhode Island, who then makes this beer. And it's instead of hops, it's got like honey and all these other old-world ingredients that aren't from Germany and the northern Europe. They're from, um, you know, the Mediterranean. And uh, it's when you drink it, it's incredibly strong. So I, I like the idea of, I mean, I mean the average American uh, colonist drank four times more than an alcoholic does today. So, yeah. uh, so uh, I like the fact that, I mean, I think from my own personal experience, I'm not, I'm not entirely too big, but uh, I can try, I've always been famous for being able to put it down, but it comes with practice, right? Like I don't just drink once a week. I drink a lot and I can drink a lot. You know, and I think you're the only uh, human being I've known to get kicked out of three restaurants in one night. So you have the distinction. (laughs) Hey, hey, and that's not even a bad night. That's that's an average night. So sorry, I I had you off on um, a tangent there. Um, But the fox's daughter. Sorry, back back to that. Um, Yeah, I don't. I think. I guess it's the the purpose is that. If he's going to trust anyone, it's going to be somebody that innocent, right? So, I mean, because I've never heard of him having his his cane sword taken. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think that's the whole point. That was the entire point. Like, how else are we going to play this up? We want, um, we want him. Uh, sorry, what is his name? Uh, Denroku. We want Denroku to, you know, obviously he's very thankful that you know he's not going to get killed for doing the cheating. Um, they, they give this concept that he's going to lose his daughter and they're going to make her into a prostitute, even though she's like, she's like 12 years old, 10 years old. They're like, yeah, we'll just keep her till she's 16 and make her into a prostitute. So now you can fuck off, dude. Um, so you got some sympathy there. And then it's like, well, how's this going to turn out? So the only person who could have taken his cane sword is that little girl. And it's purely the idea of, you know, who else is he going to trust so explicitly? In fact, I almost think... He let her do it. He he kind of saw that he was she was going yeah. for it a little bit, and then he purposely made a lot of noise getting the money out. And you know, it was a it was a little odd, but I could see that he was like, "Yeah, what's going on?" Because by the time, um, yeah, by the time um, Denroku's sitting in the bar laughing it up, uh, Ichi's already there, right? <laughs> Just like, yeah. yep. Getting drunk. Yep, getting drunk and waiting for him to get his cane sword back. And not not that he even needs his cane sword. I mean, you've seen him disarm people, steal their swords, murder them with their own swords. So, yeah, I I I thought it was a sec- it's interesting because this is the second movie we've reviewed, and child actors have a very prominent role in both these movies. And usually, child actors are terrible and ruin the movie and take you out of the movie. And these both in both times. They're two different children, different genders, different age groups, and different personalities, and different different ways of moving the plot. And in this one, she's like happy-go-lucky and innocent, 
and very like she like whoever wrote that when they wrote the script they were probably like we need somebody who's really upbeat and sh- like sunshine you know just really bright and happy and they picked the perfect girl for it but at, deep down inside she's not truly innocent you know she carries the weight of the world on her shoulders and the only true constant with this little girl is that she loves her dad more than anything else and she tells you that in the movie she old she basically lives to love her father her mother left them so she loves her dad, you know, yeah. and she's she's growing up with that handicap of having to grow with just a dad and not a mom. She's a girl, so that's got to be a little bit harder, you know. And then, uh, and he's always trying to make her happy, but he's, you know, he doesn't know. He's he even says, you know, I'm just a dad, you know. But he, I, I think, you know, uh, there's there's some statistics out there. I won't go too far into it, but you could do a lot worse than being a single parent with a dad, you know. Yeah. So um, dads tend to be just different. They just tend to raise their children different. And so she only really has one goal, and that's to stay with her dad. And and so you kind of learn that even even the most innocent among us, even the most pure among us, can uh, can be tainted by uh, by desire and temptation. And it, I thought it was a I thought it was a brilliant part of the movie. I was so I, I first I was like, oh, we're gonna have another kid in the movie, but. This one, this child actor was so good. I, I just thought, man, Hollywood, you need to learn a lesson from 1962 Japan because yeah. they know how to cast and direct children, and it's 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 a lost art. It was it was brilliant. I I thought her character was so so complicated in a couple of different ways, and just so well done. After like my third viewing, I was like, man, this was a really done movie. I I, I just I can't stress how much you, anybody who's not watching this is just absolutely retarded and needs to uh to get on board yeah i like it um there's actually a zatoichi um i can't remember which one it is off the top of my head but he has um he has to watch a baby which is <laughs> just ridiculous <laughs> but there's this one point in the movie where he's trying to get the baby to just shut the fuck up because there's some bad guys like kind of sneaking around so he hooks it under onto his nipple you know because it's hungry <laughs> And it was one of those classic comedy things where you see him just squirming because his nipples getting sucked on so hard. <laughs> it's, so, it's so ridiculous. So That's hilarious. You've got that to look forward to. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, yeah. What, I, what, did I, I, think I, of, uh, what did you think of the... Um, what did you think of the idea that... Um, that... Zatoichi's uh, master gets the money and then has it stolen like right away and that no one knows what happened to the master. Oh, that was absolutely perfect. Um, I, there, there was there was a lot of um, money getting thrown around. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, from the hundred row that he took to the next hundred row that the other dude took that you know there was going to be the bribe and all that yeah. stuff. It, it was it was pretty wild. Yeah, I, I knew, that was one of my favorite aspects of the movie was the way the money just ran around. I was like, man, I mean, you know, there's a there's this thing called there's a book called the Golden Constant, and it kind of shows how a, a certain amount of gold has bought you basically the same thing since the Roman times till now, and um, and like basically a toga and a pair of sandals it was equivalent to a nice suit and a pair of shoes or a thousand dollars today. So it's a, kind of the same concept. Uh, there's other kind of monetary parallels like the T-bone stake uh, um, index, which is run by uh, Gary North, Dr. Gary North. But it's the same. It's the same concept. Is that 
if you put a commodity in that's of a certain basically un, un um, unimpeded kind of labor that goes into it, that you're going to get the same kind of flat line in value in other things. And uh, to see all that gold running around is just crazy. I mean, I was I was stunned. And you know you know how it is. And others than like Yojimbo, like the one Rio is a big deal, you know. And this, I mean, and Zadoichi, people have deep pockets, you know. Uh, it was good, and then it was nice to see the the cheating scene in because uh, you knew they were going to try and cheat him in the oh, casino. Yeah. You knew they were going to try and cheat him, and he he knows they're going to try and cheat him, but he's like, "I trust you with my life," and he just oh, you feel it, you feel it down in your you know Zadoichi, man. He, he'll make you shiver when he delivers because when when they cheat him, he just cuts that zaki bottle and boom. He's like, are they odd? They're odd, right? And that was so perfect. It was. Yeah. In fact, in my notes, I wrote, um, the gambling scene was the most hardcore ever. Because most of the oh, time, yeah. he gets cheated. He usually has to cut the die, the dies in half and see that one of them was weighed differently. Or, or the whole place is in on, you know, guessing which one is what. And he, he has to cut all the candles and make it dark and, you know, do something to make it clear that he's getting cheated. But, yeah, in this case... I mean, it was perfect. The cut right through, through the sake bottle that showed the ones in there that we was talking about, and then just gathering up all that freaking cash and taking off. Only to be chased down the street and having to do his first bit of killing six guys. What was his first bit in the movie, but it was brilliant the way he killed down, I think it was five. Well, they, they referenced five later on. The boss says, he killed five, but I think it counted six. I mean, I think you're right. The count was six, and it might have been a script issue where they he killed. I mean, he killed a bunch of them. I mean, there's three in front of him and three behind him, and there were two other pussies. They were like, "Nah, bro, I'm gonna try to live to see another day." Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I the whole time I'm watching that movie, I'm just like, "Man, James Bond, you are a pussy." This guy straight gets up close and personal and, and guts you. You know, you you can say whatever you want. Bond, you had toys and you had guns. I mean, you. this guy is literally, like, feeling the heat from the blood of the people he's killing, you know? I mean, he's up close to personal. He can smell their tainted breath as he is dispatching them before their maker. Oh, man. And, you know, they always try to find some clever way to outsmart Satoichi. In this case, uh, the uh, the main bad samurai, if I... I don't have his name yeah. down. I should have, but it doesn't really matter. He decides to rush at him with a horse and knock him off the road so he could get a leg up and maybe be able to win. Um, there was another Zatoichi, which was very clever. They um, they got him in, like, a forest, and they started lighting fires around him so he wouldn't be able to, you know, he'd get cornered. But, of course, what happens? You corner him, and he kills everyone. <laughs> yeah. You just make his you just make his area of responsibility that much smaller. Exactly. Yeah. He's just like, well, okay, I don't have to worry about all these burning sections around yeah. here. I'm just going to murder what's right in front of me. Exactly. The rope in this case as well. They tried to uh, tie him up, and all he did is killed everybody that was holding the ropes. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. I, I do agree with you completely. James Bond is a complete pussy. Um, I love Sean Connery just because he had so much swagger and so much play, but it's not like I ever thought of him as a badass. And we'll skip all the other pansies that came after him because they weren't tough by any means. Sure, they could 
shoot that uh, Walther PPK and let's move on from there. But then Daniel Craig, who is kind of a badass looking dude. I mean, the first one, Casino Royale, wasn't he having his like testicles shocked or something like that? <laughs> it's just like, you're not that hardcore. I think he had to like restart his own heart or something because he got poisoned or I don't know. Just You're just not that good if you're... I mean, I, lucky. I mean, I've always, I've always thought the Bond movies weren't bad. I mean, they were always decent. It was watchable, no matter who the Bond was. I mean, it's. I mean, I won't shit on Bond, but I will say that I thought Bond was a good idea. But I, I watch the Japanese version of it in a sense. It's not. It's not. They're not exact parallels, but the parallels are so strong. I, I, I look at it and I go, man, I prefer Zatoichi over Bond. Any day, if you're gonna watch twenty, but Bond has twenty four movies now. Zadoichi at twenty six. I can tell you right now, you're wasting your time on Bond. Zadoichi is the formula is sound. I mean, it's kind of like uh, um, Indiana Jones, but better. Like there's a there's a formula. There's a formula in place. I've watched two movies, and the formula is clear as day. And when you watch it, you know you, there's a point when you know that shit's gonna hit the fan. Like, you know that it's not going to be one or two or ten or fifty. It's going to be like 20 or 30 people are going to die. And it's all going to be really fast. And they're all going to, it's all going to be really good choreography. It's not like the same, it's not like where you watch an 80s or a 90s action film and they're all shooting guns from their hip that are not meant to be shot from their hip and everybody dies with squibs. It's going to be like really realistic, painstakingly designed choreography with the same kind of discipline and timing and camera work. That makes it look realistic. Sam's the blood. There's no blood. That's the only thing these movies need. But it was 1962. I mean, most people who listen to this weren't even born then. So it's a different it's a different era. But the the movies are so sound in the way that they portray the violence. It's just man. I remember I I, I, I got drunk the other night and I watched it and I just turned off. I got I just went straight to the straight to the violence and I. And I just play some music while I'm watching the violence. I'm just like, man, Zadoichi. What else do you want? I mean, if you if you are listening to this podcast and you have not seen a Zadoichi movie, shame on you. Shame on you. You 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 sit down, you pee, because that. I mean, he's the he's the best. I mean, I I'm so sad that I didn't know about Zadoichi ten years ago. Yeah, and we have so many more to go through. Plus, um, plus like five five seasons of television. I I have them all available too. Um, oh, I bought some bootlegs that I'll send your way. But yeah, yes. this is this is an exciting trip. Um, I did want to point out a couple things just to reverse a little. I disagree with you on Bond. Um, the Pierce Brosnan Bonds, I think are. Oh, I liked him. I, I think they're unwatchable. But I think that's the difference is um, our ten year age difference. Yeah, I just could not deal with. I mean, that was that guy from fucking, what was it, uh, uh, Remington Steel. I'm like, oh, my God, could they have gotten... And I, I really hated Timothy Dalton as well. My era was um, Roger Moore, who I always thought was super yeah. cool when I was a kid, but uh, those are yeah. really hard to watch now, too, because they were so gimmicky. I mean, it's a reason yeah, that... Uh, what, what you Austin Powers yeah, was exist because of Roger Moore. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The Roger you, Moore Bonds. You got it. Um, and then the second thing I was going to say, um, oh, it was just a, in sh- surely around, um, yeah, the anticipation around how many people are going to die because they're fucking with someone. I've brought this up in other podcasts. It's like, aside from, I just love Shintaro Katsu and I love his portrayal of Zatoichi. And I really, uh, it's the perfect revenge 
idea. I love revenge films. And you got a blind guy who look like, looks like an idiot. He's, he's kind of out of shape. He's not exactly pretty. People are going to fuck with him. And he's going to, I mean, humiliate them in some cases, and murder them and, all, and everyone they know. So it's, it's so perfect. The best part about it, I watched this movie sober twice, and what stuck out to me was in the first act of the film, just the amount of like degradation and and violence against the women who are just basically in the, in the sex slave trade. Uh, it makes you really grit your teeth and... As I get older, I get softer, and I get more emotional, and I'm just like, you know, all that estrogen, and as you get older, it comes into play, and uh, I just I just get really outraged Thank when I you. see it. Thank you. Me too. I, I cannot stand it. It's it's terrible. And yeah, he, he is the, the vengeance. So doesn't that, like, hit home why Daredevil is such a pile of shit? He take, it took everything I love, this revenge, this, this carnage, and made it so he hits people with aluminum sticks. I've never liked Daredevil. Daredevil can careful not to kill anyone. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Now, some people would would interrupt me and say, "Well, well, Matthew, you know, Sadowichi's more like Stick, who is the guy who trained Daredevil, and he's a badass dude that murders everybody." It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. You took a perfect thing and you genericized it to make it like PC and friendly so nobody gets hurt and that's bullshit. It's like the A-Team. The reason I always hated the A-Team. Iconic characters, no one ever dies. Fuck you. That's not the way the real world works. Yeah. And that's kind of what's wrong with the 80s and 90s action films too, right? Like there's a lot of rounds that are shot at those guys and they never die. And then they shoot a few rounds at the guys who are shooting at them and they're all dead doesn't work like that you know? yeah all real, my f- real life is gritty all my violent. favorite stuff you just talked about you know? predator at length that was carnage <laughs> i mean he kills everyone yeah but there were scenes in there where uh he's just like they're standing they're all standing out in the open they're not even aiming and the trigger control is shit and everyone dies and everyone who shoots at them is you know, it's the oh, classic eighties. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But Ram- you kind of get Ram- you kind of get the the opposite. When you, have you ever seen the movie Mister and Mrs. Smith? Of course, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, it's like the exact opposite, where everything's supposed to be super super realistic, and it's just even worse to watch. It's like, oh god, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm with you. But what I what I like in those cases, um, I guess I could go even further back to something like um, uh, what's it called, Charles Bronson, Death Wish. Oh, I love Death Wish. Yeah, you know. I, oh, Death a, no, Wish Three is the shit. There's, I absolutely love those movies. They will be coming up as podcasts that we will be doing. I thought about suggesting one, but I yeah, haven't. no, for sure. Um, Charles Bronson was such a badass in his day. El Chico himself. And do you remember? Do you remember in the first one, Jeff Goldblum is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he looked so stupid, <laughs> like an Archie comic book character. Yeah, I think somebody else too, and a like, rapist. Like apparently. Denzel was in there and. As the same thing, like one of the thugs. <laughs> so terrible. But yeah, he doesn't mess around with murdering people. It's great. No. These are this is what we want to I want to give back to people who actually do get hurt. And yeah. I mean, uh I'm unfair in my thinking in that way because also I don't want my hero to get hurt. I've always thought like the perfect movie is it's really Zadoichi. Beginning to end, a bunch of people do a bunch of stupid shit, they get there, come up and and it, 
you know, our boy walks away into the sunset versus the, you know, they, they did this a lot in the eighties. A guy gets beaten up pretty badly, but then he finally comes back. Every Chuck Norris movie was like that. He, he, they're fighting at the end. They want to make it realistic. So he's fallen down. He looks like he's really hurt, but then he gets his last blast of power, jumps in the air, does the reverse roundhouse kick. Boom. The yeah, end. it's a different way of building tension. So, yeah. you know, when they try to do an act two, they always try to make the, the lowest point in the protagonist car- in the protagonist arch arc is is the um, is Act Two, so it's always like they're their lowest, and then that's what creates the drama for the end. See, but and we didn't I, have I that agree. here. We didn't have that here. We just had no. okay. Well, here's what we're going to do instead of that that arc. We're, what we're going to do is just get everybody. We're going to make it so everyone in town wants to kill Zadoichi, and then we'll just see what happens. <laughs> well, and, and, and another thing is, is that it's a different kind of feel. Like Zadoichi is um, is a masseuse who is blind. So I mean, he's there's two strikes right there, right? And he's humble. I mean, the guy. I mean, if I had the ability to kill everyone around me, I don't think I'd be very humble about it, right? Yeah, I'd be a dick. And he's the most relatable nice guy i mean like he unless you dick with him he's totally cool he's totally awesome yeah he loves a good joke he loves to drink he loves to gamble i mean that's me and you know i and you know he's the nicest guy like until you cross him he's the nicest guy yeah you compare that directly with sanjiro from yojimbo yeah who was just a cocky asshole that wanted to yeah. troll, troll people <laughs> exactly and and that's why i think like you get the sense of real power from Zatoichi, because as Zatoichi knows real power, you know, he can hear it, he can sense it, and he, he dispenses it wisely because he knows the effect of it. He knows what it's like to hold it. Like, when you shoot a gun once or twice, you know, you feel one way, but when you shoot a gun multiple times, you feel another, you know? Yeah. When you do one girl the first time, your heart's racing, you might come a little quick, I don't know. But when you do that same girl, you know, 20 years later, uh, you know, you know, D-pad, down, down, left, right. Oh, she came. Okay, now my turn to come. You know, it becomes routine, you know. And so for him, it's not this this glorious thing that that, that Zatoichi kills, every, kills pretty people. It's just part of his, it's just part of the way things work. You know, he just gets, he just gets conveniently caught in these really just causes and he just handles it. And, and, it makes it not mon- it, it makes it not mundane for you, the viewer, but it makes it mundane for him. Yeah, yeah, and I would do a, a similar comparison to what you said. Um, since I'm um, single and lonely, first time I masturbate, it goes really fast, and then yeah, later on, it's just okay. There it is, you know, very mechanical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, a little self-deprecation. Um, anyway. I think we've summed up this uh, this bond. I think we summed up Zadoichi perfectly. That was awesome. Okay, so it's time for our top six. Um, I have a very special top six today, um, and it's going to go a little differently than normal because what I did is I forgot to prepare a top six on Zadoichi. Yes! <laughs> I was so happy watching it. I didn't even think to uh, start putting together what I consider, you know, my most badass questions. So what we're going to do... <laughs> I watched this movie four times and didn't make any notes. I love this movie that much. Yeah. I couldn't 
couldn't be bothered to make notes. Yeah, it was just a pure joy, a pure joy watch. Um, so what we're going to do, um, you're going to have to just make up a question for me, and I'm going to make up a question for you, and whoever gets the most questions correct is going to win the top six. I've never won one myself, so here's my first chance to try. Okay. I, I'm excited. All right. My well, nipples are deployed. I will go first. Um, let's see. How about this? There are different kinds of sake. So there are there are different kinds of sake. There's a Junmai. Uh, there's a, um, a Ginjo. And there's another one. Oh, yeah, the Nigori. Can you tell me what makes them different from one another? Okay. I'm going to say the thing that makes the three sake different is going to be because they're all rice wine right so it's not the primary ingredient it's going to be the temperature in which they're served oh i like that answer um it is incorrect it has to do with how the rice that they use is milled so like they're like let's say the ginjo which is like the most popular the rice is milled to like 40 um 40% 40% or something like that. So you have like 60% of each grain is all that's remaining, like to take off any of the outer layers of it and that kind of stuff to give it a different flavor. So, so uh, fail one on you. <laughs> Your turn, buddy. In in terms of gold, how much is the Rio worth today? Um, like, a, a, how do they do that? Like a pound of gold? Or like an ounce of gold? Yeah, we'll just go... We'll go with an ounce. Well, I'll go with a pound because I could probably get closer to a number. If you had a pound of gold, or maybe I'll, go, I'll answer it this way. A gold brick, if you were to steal one um, from a bank, is probably worth $100,000. Gold brick is a kilo. Okay, so um, a kilo of gold is worth $100,000. No, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> What's it worth? Uh, it's it's 187 grams of gold. Okay. So that would be... Hold on. I'll tell you what the conversion is. <laughs> drunk math. Drunk math. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a, it would be... A Rio is about a little less than a half a pound. Okay? Okay. So 16 ounces into a pound. Uh, you're looking at about a 20% off of a pound at 0.4... Or no, 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 half a pound, and you're looking at, uh, what, eight ounces? You're looking at seven or six ounces? So you're looking at about, 50, let's let's round up to about $1,400 an ounce. You're looking at about seven or eight, or maybe eight or $9,000 for one Rio, though. So three Rio would be, let's say, 21 cheese. I mean, it's nothing to laugh at, you know, 24 cheese at the high, the high end, so... Yeah, a little, it's significantly less than $100,000, but not small money, you know. So a hundred Rio at, you know, would be about $140,000, $150,000. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they're throwing it around like it grows on trees. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Okay. Well, um, let's go with this. Um, In... In the game Minecraft, there's a... Um, oh, I already lost this one. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make it a little easier then. I, I was going to ask you what... what I don't know anything about Minecraft other than it exists. Who are the... They're, they're bad guys. They're called hostile mobs. Um, can no you idea. name at least one hostile nope. mob? One thing that could kill your character? I've, I know what they look like. 
but I can't describe them. Well, I mean, you probably are talking about the creeper, that um, green thing. Yeah, the so, creeper, that, the one that everyone's all scared of. Yeah, but let's. there are other ones. Like, can you just picture what someone might be scared of out in the forest? Uh, There's, like, that, zombies. Yeah, you got it. There you go. One for uh, you. Yeah, yeah, there okay. are, there, yeah, there are zombies. Are we, are we doing questions outside of the movie? Yeah. What is the largest sea in the world? Um, the largest sea, which wouldn't be an ocean, I guess. Um, the Dead Sea. It's a good guess. It's actually the South China Sea. Oh, South China Sea. Okay. Um, I got an easy one for you for the end, though, to make it a tie. Okay, that's cool. Um, so, uh, sushi. Oh. So, um, if you have just raw fish, are you still eating sushi? I'm going to say yes. No, you're not. You're eating sashimi. Because sushi means with rice. Rice. Oh! <laughs> you so clever, wound I. Okay, I got a last question for you. Okay. In the continental United States, what is the deepest lake? Um, uh, that would be Crater Lake. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me how deep it is? Um, you don't have to get the exact number. You just, just have to get how many feet. I don't That'll know. Be- I don't know. Last time, Nine, last time I was standing, last time I was standing on a boat. And um, I, I whipped out the, the member to go to the restroom. All mm. I know is it never touched the bottom. Classic. Classic. <laughs> when I was in Guam, yeah, I was on, the, like, in Guam, they take both the U.S. dollar and the yen, because it's, like, the Japanese Hawaii. And there was some, like, giant Japanese kid who was retarded, you know? And he's with, like, his grandparents, who were all, like, five foot two. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, whips out his penis and starts peeing in public. It was so awesome. <laughs> it was good for you. Retards I, do have strength and giant penises, by the way. Do you know how many times in Europe I just saw, like, people, you know, with their pants down, pissing on shit? <laughs> just, like, really, people? Were they were they the were they the Syrian immigrants or were they somebody else? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. You know, Yugoslavs, you name it. Just people standing in the street pissing on stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, that's pretty illegal where I come from. Good for you, Europe. Good for you. Good for you. Okay, so that was the worst top six ever. Um, I guess we did tie. Now, boom! Yeah, yes. all right. That means we owe each other a drink. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to uh, to hanging out soon on your birthday and uh, drinking lots of whiskey. So, um, I want to do some. Gonna drink, I think we're going to drink scotch. I've got a, a couple of bottles of yeah. Balvini Doublewood set aside for that already. That's going to be quite fantastic. All right, well, it's time for us to do some shout outs. Uh, in oh, okay. in particular, we don't we don't often do that because we often have guests on and they're shouting out their own stuff. But um, on our solo missions here, I thought it would be appropriate. Um, the guys that. Uh, the Epic Film Guys uh, did a very uh, hilarious, uh, you know, 15-minute uh, um, shout-out to us on um, on Twitter uh, for International Podcast Day. I thought that was awesome. And they, they really run a funny show. Um, I wish I had their um, uh, quality, uh, you know, production value kind of stuff. Because yeah. they, they really do a good job. But you guys can find them, of course, at Epic Film Guys on Twitter. Um, also, I wanted to say today in particular, I woke up, I, I, I just was feeling kind of off. It may have been from all that sake I'd been drinking, but <laughs> I found, I jumped down the rabbit hole and I watched, uh, this YouTuber, um, and her name is maybe, uh, Emma made in Japan. All, all this person does is sits there and eats random shit. So I watched this whole series of her <laughs> opening up MREs 
and eating all of these oh, MREs. Oh, MREs are horrible. Oh, I know. It was really, really interesting. She has a very soothing voice, and it really just gave me a very chill morning. So The the, the lemon pound cake and the MREs. Oh, <laughs> my God. I thought you'd appreciate like eating a brick because you've eaten them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting to see that You want to hear a story? That heating packet and all that stuff. Yeah, Oh, yeah, course. yeah. Okay. I, uh... So I had been I had been training for like natural competitions. I had like a bodybuilder, and I was like perfect. I was totally ripped. This is like 2006, and I go on like a like a training exercise, and my buddy we're both we're both E fours at the time, and uh, my buddy I, I'm not gonna say his real name. But I'm just gonna call him Double A, and I'm like I've like lived like a diet of like vegetables and lean protein for you know, a year. And we were stuck eating MREs, right? And uh, and we're in this, like, dorm room, and I'm, like, I am just, like, shitting. Like, I'm just, like, farting all over the place. Like, horrible <laughs> gas. Like, I can't handle, like, the carbohydrates in it. Like, I'm just, like, hurting. Like, my stomach hurts, and I'm just, like, a factory of sadness. Like, just bringing out the shit. And it was brutal. Like, I've never, I've never experienced that. I'll never... I can't remember the last time I ate McDonald's, but I, I have never eaten like that, like McDonald's and all that stuff since 2006. I don't eat like that no, anymore. No, and the reason why is because every time I eat that kind of stuff, I get like hurt. I get like stomach pains and I was like in really a lot of pain, but I like, we were in like this, like a hotel room kind of thing, but there was just two of us in there and it was just like, I just made it smell like Michael and my ass the whole day the whole day yeah. like every time I ate it it was just horrible we had the windows open we had fans going <sighs> and it was just brutal I just I mean MREs are rough and the little packet the rookie mistake that most people make is they fill it up with too much water she's there's a little line that tells you how to fill it up with how much water yeah yeah and I you that. throw your little hot item in there and you wrap it up and you let it all smoke away yeah and don't let it smoke away in your face because that shit is cancerous as fuck oh no kidding oh um, yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention about McDonald's, and uh, I think Burger King applies here too, the reason you, it creates more gas and more, um, I guess, like stomach upset than a lot of other kinds of food is all of the um, clown semen. So that's just a little factoid oh, for you. Good to know. Yeah. I say that's other places was... because it's like king, uh, plastic king semen in the case of Burger King and um, uh, Chihuahua semen in Taco Bell, but it's all related to the semen of the mascot. And how much they put into the actual food. That's why I only eat Carl's Jr. Because I want the semen of the stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those little ones from Mario. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, uh, did you I have any... to throw a shout out yeah, to Red Letter Media. Because I learned more about movies and and what good comedy is from Red Letter Media than anywhere else. And I want to throw a shout out to Lou Rockwell. Uh, LouRockwell.com, because if you're not visiting LouRockwell.com every morning when you're drinking your coffee, you're wrong. I mean, uh, he's got economists, philosophers, mechanics. He's got everybody, and they all come together, and they all give you something brilliant every day. You go, to, you can never go to LouRockwell.com and not find something that you're like, hmm, that's not brilliant at all. And it's 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 different people with different backgrounds. And Lou Rockwell is famous in the libertarian movement, and he's a, he's a little too hardcore for people who are regime libertarians. But for people who are just curious about the truth, who don't care about the left and right divide, 
If you've never seen LouRockwell.com, it's spelled L-E-W-R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. If you've never seen LouRockwell.com, you have never, you're using the internet wrong. I mean, it, it changed my life. Cool. Um, I will uh, pause you there for a second. You're going to throw one more out there. And one more is to Rebel Reserve, who keeps me mighty fine in their Colorado cold. You know, it can be like negative five degrees and sunny, but it's still cold, you know. Uh, the One of the best bourbons I've ever drank in my whole life. I, th- I would I'd actually say the best so far is Rebel Reserve. Um, it's part of this uh, this this company that distills other bourbons, but it's my favorite. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a, a like a uh, an eighteen year old Macallan, you know. And it reminds me of a really expensive Scotch in the way that it tastes, and then in the color. I usually pick my whiskeys by their color, um, and uh, I love that color. Uh, it's so good. It's 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 so delicious. You can drink it straight all day long like candy. All right. It's it's not as good as scotch. Scotch's the best, of yeah. course. But well, based on based on that, and based on um, our conversation earlier about um, my adopting more whiskey in my life, I don't see why they shouldn't just uh, start sponsoring us by at least sending us each a bottle for each podcast that you know we can keep us moving. Call it call it creative support. Or something. You know, what I would do is I would save every bottle that they gave to me only for every episode. I would never drink it outside of the episode. And I drink about half a bottle an episode normally. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. All right. Well, that is it. Thank you so much, Lee, as always. And uh, thanks, everyone.